0: Hi everybody, thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I am a yoga teacher with many years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is to show you how to get confident, speak clearly, feel authentic, grow your impact, earn your worth, and build a community. For years I've been working with teachers in my signature program, the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program, and I've seen so many teachers transform, and I can help you get there too. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. In addition to the podcast, don't forget to also follow me on Instagram and TikTok, for daily videos on teaching topics. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into today's episode. Hi everybody, welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 224. So today is an interview episode. I seem to have a lot of these at the start of the year. And I am recording this intro, uh, just to give you some perspective, I'm recording this intro on January 28th, 2023. And this is a conversation I had uh, this week on Thursday, the night, uh, Thursday, the um, 26th. So you're listening to it sometime after January 30th. So we're just about done with the first month of the year, the new year, and I hope it's going well for you. I would love to know how your classes are going. So send me a DM on Instagram and let me know. Today's episode is really fun. I'm going to hold off on the how I met Larnie uh, for when you listen to the actual episode, which I'll skip to in a moment, because it's a really fun story based on just something that a lot of us are doing these days. So I'll leave that for the actual episode. I'll just give you a heads up. Larnie is a yoga teacher and a hypnotherapist. And I'm bringing her onto the show. I wanted to invite her to the show because as you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a little while, I'm diving into some other topics that aren't specifically about anatomy and teaching skills. And this is an opportunity for me, for you, to really expand our minds and really learn about and discover some of the things that hold us back as humans, as people, and hold us back from really not only living life fully, but really living authentically, just really being ourselves, owning who we are standing confidently, all the things that are so important for us as yoga teachers. So even though at first glance, when you listen to some of these episodes and this one in particular, you might think, well, what does hypnotherapy have to do with yoga teaching? You will soon find when you listen to the episode, there are quite a few parallels. So I want to scoot over to that episode uh, ASAP. I'm just going to uh, end just with a quick intro. Larnie is Coming into us from Pittsburgh. She is a yoga teacher and a hypnotherapist. She'll also share a little bit more about what she does. And one final thing I've been chatting with a couple of yoga teachers earlier this week who are feeling a little stuck around how to move past practicing with their classes. They're starting to get injured, they're starting to kind of run out of steam energetically, um, and they're not exactly sure how they can stop uh, practicing with their classes because they've created this sort of dependency. So if you are in that situation or even if you love practicing with your class and you're sort of curious about what would really be the reason for me to stop doing that. Um, That's another reason to get in touch with me. So I'll just leave it at that. If any of this resonates with you, send me a DM on Instagram and you can just say something about hearing it on this episode here. You're curious to find out more about how you can transition from uh, practicing with your class to just standing and walking around, kind of the walk and talk approach. So with that, We are going to scoot over to that episode, my conversation with yoga teacher and hypnotherapist Larnie Wilson. I hope you enjoy this one.
1: Hi, Larnie. Hello. How are you? I'm so good. How are
0: you? Very good. It's wonderful to see you. Here we are doing our podcast together. It's so great. I'm so excited to to have this conversation with you.
1: Me too. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So
0: just for a little background for the listeners, I actually am so excited because Larny is the first person on my podcast that I met on TikTok. And <laughs> I'm really excited to say that because I love TikTok as a consumer of information. And um, of course, I share my videos on there. And I just love the idea of just the randomness of making a connection with somebody and actually in real life, having like an ongoing conversation with them. So you're the first person that I have, I have graduated from just having, you know, the person on my for you page to actually having them in real life. So Um, (laughs) that's so awesome. I'm very honored. (laughs) Yes. yes. I mean, I really um, can thank or we can thank the algorithm for for connecting us. So to kind of give a lead in to Uh, what it was that brought you to my For You page. And for the listeners out there that do use TikTok, you know the terminology, For You page. Uh, If you don't use TikTok, it's basically... The part of TikTok that feeds you information based on your likes and videos that you've already viewed versus your own page, which is more curated based upon people you choose to follow. And so about a month ago, I saw a video of these two college girls, which is so it was such a bizarre video. And in the first like two seconds, it caught my attention because. They were in their car eating takeout Chinese. However, they were talking about manifesting and they were talking about it in this verbiage called lucky girl syndrome. And they were saying that all these really crazy, not so great things were happening to, happening to them over this period of time. And they just kept saying, you know what? Despite that, everything always works out for me. And they just kept saying this mantra over and over again. And in the course of the video, they explained that lo and behold, after using this mantra for a number of weeks, a lot of things that didn't seem like they were working out oddly actually did work out in their favor. Things about roommates and dating and all this kind of stuff. And so because I liked that video, the algorithm started feeding me other people talking about this lucky girl syndrome. And I had never heard the phrase, but I was really familiar with the idea of manifesting more of what you want into your life. Mm -hmm. And I loved how kind of, especially for the younger generation, they were kind of changing the moniker to be more in sync with their way of speaking and all of that so that was how you came to my for you page because you had a video when you were specifically speaking about this but not from the college student eating chinese food in the car perspective (laughs) you were speaking about it from your professional work and experience in helping people with mindset and so that's where i was like ooh not only do i love this topic I really want to explore this more on my show. And I sent you the DM and lo and behold, you responded in real life. You were a real person and and here you are on the show. So that's the lead in. And, you know, again, I I think I shared this with you in our pre-interview. Of course, my show is Conversations for Yoga Teachers. And of course, I talk a lot about teaching. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, lately I've been really intrigued around other topics on a personal level that I really feel are just more humanistic topics at the human level, just improving health and wellness, improving mindset. So I'm sort of leaning more into, um, well, I'm leaning into sharing these topics, like what we're going to talk about today on the show here. So I think for the most part, the listeners are yoga teachers. However, yoga teachers are people too <laughs> and you know i think as i shared with you um you know having a really healthy mindset is so important to being an effective yoga teacher matter of fact i was just having a coaching call with one of the teachers in my program the other day and she is having some worries and fears and i won't go into all the detail about what the triggers are they are of course teaching related mm-hmm. however It affects how um, the kinds of opportunities that this person's going for, the rates that this person is charging for their services, um, their way of being when they happen upon someone who says, hey, I'd love to hire you to teach me privates. And now instead of like, yay, no problem, maybe there's a little like caught on the heels like, oh, I'm not really sure what to say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think. The other thing that's interesting to me is so much of the languaging that I hear from teachers, even when it's something to me, which sounds awesome, like they just got asked to teach three more classes. What I hear, though, is this is going to be so much more work. Oh, Mm -hmm. my gosh, I have all this extra stuff I'm going to need to do. So all of what I would love to get into today is... Based on this idea of, hey, all of what we're going to talk about, yeah, it's a human topic, human development, personal development, um, personal growth. However, if we narrow the lens to yoga teachers, we can really leverage a lot of what I know we're going to get into today to help us be better teachers. Yeah. So, with that as the somewhat long intro, why don't you start out by just telling the listeners a little bit about who you are, where you are, where you're based. I always like to kind of give the geographical reference point. And um, who, like what your work looks like, what are you doing to help people?
1: Absolutely. So my name is Larney, and I'm a hypnotherapist. And essentially I help my clients to understand what their subconscious beliefs are. And also then transform any subconscious beliefs that are getting in the way of them living the life that they want. Because we all have beliefs that are dictating the way that we show up in life, but often we don't realize what they are and we don't realize the impact. So, to the example that you were giving, yeah, maybe it's about a teaching example that you know someone has a fear around something, but that same belief is then impacting the way they show up for themselves, for their family, for their friends for whatever it's so just it can go everywhere it's so interconnected these beliefs that we have so my work is really about helping you develop a relationship with your subconscious through hypnosis which all hypnosis is self-hypnosis essentially and we can get into that in a little bit but to develop that relationship with your subconscious. So that way you can navigate opportunities. You can navigate your evolution, your growth, your you know, opportunities that come your way without feeling freaked out, without feeling overwhelmed, and also without passing them by. You know, I think we all want to be able to claim the things that are coming our way and live life and enjoy it and grow, but that can feel really scary. And the fear might not go away. My job is not to make you like less afraid of opportunities, but it is to help you understand that you have the capacity to take that opportunity, you know? Okay. Okay.
0: Tell us also where you're based out of just so folks know.
1: Yes. I'm based right now in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania.
0: That's right. Okay, great. All right. So I just jotted a couple of notes down as you were talking because I want to just define some terms. So when people hear hypnotherapy, they might think of the guy on stage with the watch you're going to sleep and then you're going to become a chicken or something. uh-huh so um, so what is hypnotherapy?
1: Yes, exactly. So hypnosis hypnotherapy I use the terms interchangeably. So essentially what it is is it's a modality that works with your subconscious in a similar way to, how you might go into a meditative state where you're breathing deeply, you're putting you know external things aside, you're really dropping into yourself. We're doing that with hypnosis, with hypnotherapy. And the way that we're doing that is by going into the theta brainwave levels. There's five different brain waves, quick little primer. there's five different brain waves that we oscillate through throughout the day. And theta is the one right above Delta, which is where sleep happens. So with hypnosis, with hypnotherapy, you're awake the whole time, you know what's going on. And it's a place where you're really creative when you're in that theta brainwave state, you're really open to innovative ideas. You're much more open to change and to examining things from a different perspective than you would be when you're in the beta brainwave state, which is what we're probably in now, talking, communicating, interacting with each other. And that's really useful because our conscious mind, it's important, like we're we're supposed to have a conscious mind, but sometimes the chatter of the conscious mind gets in the way of what the subconscious wants to say, of what we know deep is deep down inside of us. And so with hypnotherapy, we're able to set the conscious mind to the side, dive into the subconscious, really understand things, heal, transform on a deep level, and then take those transformations, those insights, those shifts, into your conscious behavior. So it's, I always describe it as like, we're charting a new path in the forest of your mind. And so we are sweeping away the the twigs, the branches, the debris, we're carving that path. And it also requires some maintenance, right? If you just made a path in the forest one day, the next day there would be leaves or branches again. So it's really about coming back, maintaining it, continuing to show up, making the steps, the decisions that move you in the direction of that new path that you want to go down. So that way, before you know it, the new path becomes second nature. It just becomes the one you go down easily. So to tie that back to your question about the hypnotist with the, you know, pendulum. Hypnosis, uh, stage hypnosis is a completely, you know, like lighthearted, fun sort of thing. There's no actual mind control going on. What's happening is that on a subconscious level, you will only ever do what you believe is in your best interest and what you want to do. And that might sound a little wild to people. So I will let that soak in. But essentially, if you're going up on stage for a stage hypnotism show, it's because you want to be silly. You want to, you know, do whatever crazy thing, you know what you're getting into. You know, no one is going up and is surprised that the hypnotist is having people quack like ducks or turn into a chicken or whatever. So in that case, everyone who volunteers for that, that volunteering is them opting in to do whatever that is. They're making the choice. If they got up on stage and the hypnotist said something like go rob a bank, and they obviously didn't want to do that, they wouldn't do it, but you know, what we see is this very, is this sort of a misperception of what's actually happening. Fortunately, hypnotists are not in anybody's mind. I'm not in anyone's mind. You're in control the entire time. And I always like to stress that for clients or for listeners or whoever, that This is really a process that you do with the support of someone, you know, like myself, guiding you, offering suggestions, also reframing things or echoing things back to you. So that way you're not just in a, you know, like an echo chamber, but you're able to receive that support to say, oh, I can make this connection. I can go in this direction. I can change this. But you're the one who's driving that change the whole time. Okay. Got it. All right. So I'm glad you made that distinction. And as you were describing,
0: especially when you were talking about the theta waves, Mm -hmm. it had me wonder, and maybe you could describe a little bit about how this looks in real life in one of the sessions that you have. Mm -hmm. Like if I um, sit and meditate, Mm -hmm. or if I do like a guided yoga Nidra session, Mm -hmm. um, in both of those scenarios, I'm dropping into my body. I'm connecting to my breath in the yoga Nidra example. I might have someone uh, on YouTube, just audio, just speaking me through a process Mm -hmm. of relaxing my body and maybe even dropping in some thoughts around, you know, what's your intention or your Dharma or whatever, anything like that. How is that different and How do you know as a therapist that they're in that theta kind of place?
1: Yeah, that's a great question and honestly, Meditation and hypnotherapy can be a very similar experience because in a session, I am going to guide the client into a progressive relaxation in the same way that we might teaching a yoga class. I'm also trained as a yoga oh, teacher, right. Um but you know, I'm going to lead people through a progressive relaxation to relax their body, their mind. So all of that feels very similar and very familiar. And as far as I know, and as far as I am concerned. You could be getting into the theta brainwave state when you're doing a yoga nidra or when you're doing a meditation, but because we don't have that kind of codified system or measured system in yoga to know this is the brainwave state you're dropping into, we just don't know. You know, some people could be in alpha, which is a little bit higher up. Some people could be in theta. Whereas with hypnosis, that's actually been, you know, tested to say, oh, people after this process are going into the theta brainwave state. And so that's how we know that we're getting there. And there's also, of course, signs that I would look for in someone's physical demeanor. If I'm on video with them, you know, relaxation that I can see happening. Does their head fall towards their chest more? Is there some relaxing in the shoulders? I can see that kind of stuff that I know that they're dropping into that place.
0: Got it. So is there a specific protocol to get someone into a place where they're near or in this theta state where then you're kind of in session and then you can begin maybe with some guided, like what happens then? But is there a specific protocol that feels sort of similar to the client?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I always like to say that from the moment we get on the call, we're really doing the hypnosis, even before we drop into the theta brainwave state, even before we're officially, you know, going into that process, because from the moment where we open up the call, we're talking about, okay, what do you want to focus on? And that's priming your subconscious for where we're going to go. So if someone is telling me that they're stressed or that they're, you know, nervous about being visible, about putting themselves out there, taking an opportunity that's cueing to their subconscious. Okay. This is important. Let's pay attention to that. So then once we go through the induction process, which is what I, we call it in hypnosis of getting into that data brainwave state, then the subconscious is already primed to go in that direction. So with my guidance of saying, okay, now let's bring to mind this or that or the other, it's much easier for them to just drop right into that and start going in that direction. Okay. Got it. All right. So I'm sort of curious to
0: know a little bit more about like at the ground level. So, so then what happens? Like, let's take that example or let's take the example of a yoga teacher who is really nervous when they're teaching they feel really self-conscious they're sort of consumed by thoughts about themselves like how are people thinking about me or oh that person's judging me or oh there's a yoga teacher in my class and now i feel like he or she is judging my class because they're a teacher um you know, kind of all these thoughts about, oh, that person looks bored or whatever it is. So very inwardly focused. So if someone were to come to you and say, this is my experience pretty consistently of teaching, I'm kind of getting to the point where I don't even enjoy it. I'm thinking just dropping it, but I've spent this money. I got my, you know, I went through the training and I really do want to do it because I really know that I could love it, but I just feel like I can't get out of my own way. Mm -hmm. So what would it look like? You take them through, you have this initial conversation. I share, that's my state of mind. That's my quote unquote problem. Mm -hmm. So then what do you do once I'm relaxed? What's happening then?
1: Yes. So a really important thing that we would also talk about before we get into that relaxed state is how do you want to feel? The feeling state is super important with hypnosis because that is what shortens the timeline between where you are and where you want to be. You can okay, c- stop, stop. Yeah.
0: say that again. Cause that like just sort of blew my mind.
1: <laughs> yes. Okay. So the, so, feel, right. the feeling, so the feeling you, you have to say it, you have to identify it when you're conscious. Yes, exactly. We want to identify that first. And some people, they might say, I just don't know. I'm going to ask as many questions as I can to say, what would it feel like for you to go into that class and teach and not worry that someone was judging you? what would it feel like to be able to show up and, you know, feel good about your sequence? Like I would look for, I would look for a way for them to describe to me what feeling they're seeking and what the okay. ultimate. So let me
0: yeah. let me just roll pay a little with you. So yeah. you would, you would ask the question and I might say, I would love to go in and really not care to a certain extent, what anybody thinks of me, I would love to go in and be confident and know that I have something of value to offer and just offer it without any of these like attachments Mm -hmm. to what anybody else thinks about it. I want to feel like I know what I'm doing. I can confidently share it. And however it lands, it lands. Mm -hmm. that's not my responsibility to make it be interpreted any particular way. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. And so then I would say, okay, well, what will change in your life as a result of you feeling confident and you being able to go? Yes.
0: Uh, wow. Well, I could, I didn't know we were going to do role-playing here, but I I love it. Um, Well, oh my God, I would love teaching my classes. I would go in with just this feeling of ease. Like I would just feel like this backpack of weights that I'm wearing, I can just let that backpack go. This is like a real thing I've heard from people. That metaphor of the backpack, I I hear that from teachers. Um, And I could just go into class and I could just teach like free of all of these thoughts And instead be focusing on them. So I would just be able to do that. And you know what? I would probably go after other teaching opportunities. I might even start charging. Like right now I'm only charging $60 for a private. I really feel like I should be charging at least $125
1: an hour, but I'm just afraid to do that. And I think I actually could start doing that. Yes. So that answer is Perfect. Because that gives me so much information, the confidence, the taking off the backpack, the charging more money. All of this is helping me. So that way, when we go into the session, I would probably bring up the image of the backpack. And I would say, imagine that you're wearing that backpack. What's inside the backpack. Let's pull everything out. Let's look at everything inside the backpack. What do you want to keep in the backpack? What do you want to get rid of? And then we go through the process of like smashing whatever it is to pieces or, you know, dumping it in a dumpster or whatever, like getting rid of it and then putting something in the backpack that you want. And then we would do something that I call future pacing. that's just the language in the hypno world which is to visualize yourself moving forward with that new and improved backpack. Imagine yourself charging that higher rate Imagine yourself going into that class and being able to show up for your students, focusing on them, being able to give them specific cues or, you know, adjustments that would help them deepen their practice, make that really real and have the client start to get into the energy of that, feeling confident, feeling relieved, feeling, you know, all the things that they mentioned at the top of this, we bring that back in that subconscious state, because that's when we're starting to create those new neural pathways. So now we're associating teaching with feeling confident. Now we're associating walking into that room as feeling relaxed, as feeling like, you know what you're doing, you know, we're starting to create these connections that are supportive of getting them exactly where they want to go. Okay. So there's two things I want to dive into a little bit more. The The
0: And I'll just say them in the hopes that between the two of us, we'll remember both of them. (laughs) So the one is I want to look at it from a neural pathway standpoint, just to understand a little bit more about the neuroscience around what we're talking about. And then I also would love to talk a little bit more about in that little demo we just did, where's the beliefs in there? Like, what's the belief part? Is the belief part I'm sharing as a client, all of these fears and that's like the symptom of how it comes out. But underneath, like, tell me a little bit about that. Cause I feel like you said in the beginning, beliefs are a big part of it. And there's something about the hypnosis and the theta waves Mm -hmm. that allow me to see past those. Like, how does that work?
1: Yeah, it allows you to get to the root of it. So let's say um, one of the questions that we might ask in a conversation at the beginning is like, well, what do you believe about your teaching, for example, in this way? Or what do you believe about yourself as a teacher? And how is that belief impacting the way that you're showing up? So let's say that you said, oh, well, I, I don't believe that I know enough. I think there's just, I don't know enough and other teachers know more. The teacher who comes to my class on Tuesday afternoon, she's been teaching for 10 years longer than I have. So then I would say, okay, great. So one of the ways that we could go then, and this is also why, like, as we're talking about this, I'm realizing this is why I recommend I always recommend multiple sessions because that backpack one could be a session in and of itself. This belief about you not knowing enough could be a session in and of itself. But in this particular case, I would say, okay, well, let's work with the part of you that believes that you don't know enough, that believes that you aren't enough. And so in this case, then we would be doing what's called parts therapy, which is where we're assessing different parts of of the whole self. And ultimately the goal is to integrate that part back into you so that way you realize that you're whole and complete. But we'll do that after some sort of transformation. So the part that doesn't feel worthy, the part that doesn't feel enough, we would understand, okay, what's its purpose? Uh, Why is it here? And these, every part of ourselves always wants to keep us safe. That's honestly like, spoiler alert, always why we do the things we do is because on a subconscious level, we believe it's safe. And so maybe believing that you're not enough makes you feel safe because it means that then you're not visible. You're not open to criticism. If you keep yourself small, then you're not going to have a big platform. You're not going to have a lot of students. You're not going to take criticize, maybe. Exactly. And that could be this deep seated fear about can you actually survive the criticism? Can you handle that? And the answer is yes, but maybe you don't feel like that's true yet. And so then we would work with that to say, okay, I understand that this part of you, like, you know, wants to keep you safe, wants to help, let's transform it. So that instead of you believing you're not enough, you can still realize there's always more to learn, but that you feel good about what you do know. You know, it's like, That's really important because as you were
0: talking, I was thinking about the linkage between literally having skills and knowledge Mm -hmm. and what you just said, which is like, yes, and you can still be confident now, even while, so while you're building up your skills and knowledge.
1: And that's the thing to speak to, I think we brought something related to this earlier. For some reason, this is like, I'm feeling I need to say this, but you know, you can feel confident now. You don't have to delay that feeling. You don't have to delay any feeling that you want just because you don't have, you know, a thousand students in your classes or just because you don't have, you're not making the the money that you want yet, just because whatever, you don't have to delay feeling confident. You don't have to delay trusting yourself because then what what will eventually tip you over into that? You know, then we're just kind of constantly running after this bar that keeps rising and rising. So the faster way to feel confident is not to delay it, is to say, okay, I'm gonna claim it now. I'm gonna choose to be confident in what I know, understanding that I can say, I don't know. If someone asks me a question, I don't know the answer to, understanding that I can continue to study. Like I get to feel how I wanna feel now. I don't have to wait for some arbitrary milestone.
0: So how is that construct or how is that approach to living different from the fake it till you make it kind of mindset? Or is that sort of like when I hear fake it till you make it, there's part of me that wants to jump on board because it feels like the part of me that's hearing what you're saying the claiming that I'm going to feel confident. And I also know that there are things that I don't know yet. And I will do what I need to do to learn those things. Cause I know it's going to help me be more skilled. And then there's a part of me that hears fake it till you make it as sort of a bravado kind of like a, like a, you know, pretending, but not in a, in a way of integrity or an authentic way. So is, are those things related or or what?
1: Yeah, so I would say there's absolutely no faking it with hypnosis. Like the only way that you can truly feel confident is by dropping in and finding the connection to confidence now. It's not like, you know, sort of, oh, I'm going to say I'm confident, but deep down inside, I'm doubting myself. Got it. It's like, no, I am truly going to get to the root so that I can plant those seeds of confidence, even if they're small, and start practicing growing that confidence every day it's it's an engaged dynamic relationship that you start to build with this feeling as opposed to just kind of slapping a label on it and kind of walking away right. you know right. right so when you just said a second ago getting
0: to the root and you were before explaining how you can claim your confidence now is that one and of the same thing or when you were giving the example of the the kind of the the internal payback of sorts that you get for not being confident and maybe somebody is hiding or maybe for other people, it might be something different, but that's sort of the symptom is not being confident, but the root is something else. So is that what you're saying that the fake it till you make it is the label, but the other approach in hypnosis is understanding the root cause.
1: Yeah. With hypnosis, we always want to understand the root cause and that's how we are able to create the change. So if it's, if we're talking about confidence, then maybe there's something that happened when you were a child that really shook your confidence and made you feel like you weren't enough. You weren't good enough. You weren't smart enough, whatever the case. So we're going to go back and unpack that and say, okay, we can't change what happened in the past, but we can absolutely change the way we perceive that on a subconscious level. So Got instead of saying this event happened and it means I can't be confident, we can say this event happened. It was very difficult. I have a lot of compassion for myself for going through it. And I'm going to choose to be confident because I realize that whatever happened back then is not relevant to the essence of who I am. You know, what happened back then doesn't need to fundamentally change the fact that I am confident. I can be confident in any situation that I walk into, you know? Okay, so
0: this brings up an example that came up to me yesterday that I want to just add in here because it brings up maybe this will lead us into the neuroscience aspect of things. My mom is in her 80s and she's starting to have some problems with her memories. We were having a conversation about memory and she was sharing with me that when I was a young child, before I got my tonsils taken out, I kept getting a lot of infections in my throat. And she said, Do you remember as a young child? Every time I brought you to the doctor, the doctor and the nurse and me had to hold you down on the table because you wouldn't open your mouth to let the doctor put the tongue depressor. And I, she said, I was traumatized by it because every time we had to go, we would hold the nurse and I would hold you down on the table. And I said, mom, I have absolutely no recollection of that, but I do remember from a young age hating doctors. So the thing that's curious to me, not only is the fact that this is, you know, I'm 58. I never heard this story. So this is the first time. And I literally have no memory of being held down on a table. She said I was about four, which is pretty old. I would think that I would remember, but I absolutely never have liked going to the doctor. I have a lot of fear around it. And I remember that from... A younger age, if I fell and skinned my knee or whatever happened, happened. But I never remembered that. She never told me. So I have had, I guess you could just call it a fear of going to the doctor. Mm-hmm. But I don't have the conscious memory of the situation that was probably the little t trauma trigger, whatever it is. So how can I get to the root if I don't remember it?
1: So exactly as you just said, you don't have the conscious memory, but that is stored somewhere in your subconscious. And if it was in your best interest to go back to that memory, then you that would come up in the session. It's not always necessary though, for us to go back to those difficult memories. They, sometimes we don't remember them for a reason. And so within a session, maybe we wouldn't go to that memory, but we would get clarity from little you to say, uh, to better understand what was going on here, you know, without actually going back and being in that situation. And so in that way, you still can have the healing. You still can have the transformation, the understanding, but it doesn't have to be so immersive in that way. Got it. Okay.
0: So let's, Talk a little bit then about. I mean, we mentioned you mentioned theta, which is brain waves. So, brain, the study of the brain, neuroscience. We're now in kind of the academic arena here. Um, When you mentioned before about neural pathways, let's talk a little bit about that because to me, it sort of sounds like there's wiring that may be a bit off. And through the hypnotherapy, we want to correct the wiring. So that it's not just that we're consciously reminding ourselves all the time, eventually it becomes part of who we are, this new way of acting, like in the case of the teacher being more confident. So tell me about that.
1: Exactly. So we have been learning about the world since we were born. We had to learn how to be safe. We had to learn how to communicate our needs. And the way that we learn that, I mean, the brain is amazing. It learns something and it says, oh, okay, if I do A, then B is the consequence. And so that is a really simple way of thinking about a neural pathway. I'm gonna do A, I get B as a result. Now, all of these things that we learn and that we adopt as our beliefs are, you know, ingrained to some extent so that we don't have to keep questioning like, oh, do I need to look both ways before I cross the street? No, you just know. You just know when you get to the street, you look both ways, and then you go across. But that is something that we had to learn. The neural pathways are there. Same thing goes for relationships with how we feel that we can show up and be vulnerable or communicate with friends, family, people who are you know close to us, people who we pass on the street, all of those things. We're constantly learning that. And so as you were saying, it's basically what you described is correct. Like there are beliefs that we have that are like, okay, if I make myself visible, let's use the confident example. If I make myself visible, that means I might be open to criticism. And if I'm open to criticism, that means that I could be harmed. I could be attacked. I could be too vulnerable. But are
0: these feelings based on real life times that that happens? So that's why the
1: pathway is there. Exactly. So we have these experiences, either someone tells it to us. So it could be, this is a lesson that your parent passed down to you about how to go through the world or it's a lived experience that then you you know, took on for yourself and we're like, oh, okay, now I understand the situation. Okay,
0: got it. So in the case of what you're doing then in the, should I say hypnotic state? Is that yeah, correct? Right. So are you essentially trying to, Like, if I have a thought in my mind that being in debt, no matter for what, whether I'm buying something that's a consumer good or investing in my growth as a yoga teacher, if I have a thought that having debt means I'm a bad person or it's irresponsible, and let's say I had that thought because I was raised by someone who said, it's never good to put anything on a credit card, it's really irresponsible. If I go into hypnosis and we break down that belief, Mm -hmm. do I essentially cut that pathway that A equals B, debt equals um, irresponsible?
1: Yes, exactly. And so it might happen just like you said, like cutting it, or it might be something that we start to create a different pathway and start to just kind of put our energy in the new pathway and kind of dissolve the old one. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I love that
0: because one of the things that I find so interesting when I speak with yoga teachers is many times they, especially when you said A or B, they sort of have this A or B thought process Well, there's either I'm really confident or I'm not confident. And, and there's this digging the heels in without realizing there could be, there could even be 20 more options but let's just say one more option yeah. right so that paradigm of either or um becomes sort of part of this whole way of living where you kind of see an a or a b and that's it mm-hmm. now how like like where does that come from how does that is that just in general like i almost sort of feel like in our world today with social media being as it is and some story pops up online, well, that person is either right or wrong or that scenario is either right or wrong. Like what, what do we call that sort of mindset where it's a or B like,
1: yeah, I think the term would probably be very binary thinking, you know? Yes. You know, I, I think that's an interesting one because in a lot of ways, we're told if you do this, you get a certain outcome, and we might not just realize that there are other opportunities, right? Like sometimes it's about taking off our, you know, old glasses and putting on the new ones that allow us to see 360 degrees where we used to only see straight ahead. And there is so there's so much that we can do. And regardless of whether you're a yoga teacher or whether you're something else. I think we're in a time where you can be really innovative and really creative, and opportunities are just different now. And it's exciting, but it's up to you to be able to open up your eyes to that and to trust yourself. That's a big yeah. one to trust yourself that you can move in a direction that isn't the one you always thought you were going towards. Right, right. I remember, and I don't
0: know if this is an exercise you do with clients. I remember one time recently, I was in a coaching session with a group of entrepreneurs, and the coach was taking this person through kind of a what if exercise where the person was feeling like if they changed the direction of their business, all the clients they had would go away. And even though they really felt more drawn to this different direction and this different mission, They were very worried. And so the coach started taking this person through, okay, so what would happen if you did change the direction of your business? Well, I would feel more happy that I was doing something more aligned with who I am today. Like for a yoga teacher, what would happen if you stopped teaching all these hot, heated power vinyasa classes, even though your classes are full right now, but you hate teaching hot, heated vinyasa flow? Well, I would feel a lot more connected to what I'm doing because I really don't like teaching that way. I really love teaching yin and restorative yoga, but I'm afraid then that I'm going to lose all my students and no one's going to come to my classes. Well, then what would happen then? So it was sort of this cascade of what if questions and observing it, I found it so interesting because as the person went through the different answers that she came up with to the what if questions questions none of the answers were really that traumatic or bad from an outcome perspective. But it was just that in the beginning of the conversation, she saw it as if I switch the mission of my business, I'm going to lose everything and end up on the street, not able to pay my bills. And it really took the what if game for Mm -hmm. her to realize that probably wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. So what's at work there from Is this similar to that A or B thinking?
1: Yeah, it's funny because we do something really similar. We can do something similar in the pre-talk before the hypnosis, which I always say, and you can actually do this. Anyone can do this. If you are looking to make a decision, whether it's changing the types of classes that you teach or whatever else that you want to be doing, ask yourself the question, either what if or why is this important seven times? So yes, and you got to do it seven times at least. You could do it like 21 times, you know, like the more the merrier. But keep going because when you ask yourself that, then it becomes clear. Okay, well, why is it important to me to teach these, you know, vinyas or teach the restorative and the yin classes? Well, it's important because I'll feel more connected. Well, why is it important for me to feel more connected to my work? Well, because, you know, like you start to go on that journey and it can be so clarifying to really sit with that. And so it's kind of like the both, I think they're kind of complementary. It's like the what if is kind of worst case, could be worst case scenario when you realize the worst case is not awful. And then the why is it important is kind of like best case, more like dharma, purpose, uh, perspective or approach to that similar question.
0: Yes. And, you know, it it reminds me of, you know, I've heard in other situations um, this idea of Asking really good questions of yourself, especially when you're feeling stuck or whatever it is, is such a great way to see your way out of a stuck place.
1: It's more about asking yourself the question. So this mirrors what you're saying, right? Exactly, and it also, if you set aside the time, let's say you give yourself 30 minutes or something to just sit with all of these questions, then you do get into more of a flow state. You get out of that conscious brainwave state because the conscious mind is what's saying, I'm gonna end up on the streets and not have any money, right? But once you put that to the side and you drop into this and say, okay, the next 20, 25 minutes, I'm just gonna ask myself these questions, really interesting and profound things can come to the surface.
0: Oh yeah, so cool. So I'm um, rereading different sections of Jen Cicero's book. You are a badass. Have you ever read that book? No. She has a really funny way of writing, and she is a um, a coach, like a performance coach. Uh, And she's written two books. One is habit-based and one is just mindset-based. And the first one, You Are a Badass, is based on the mindset approach. And she had this example uh, in the chapter on money and money beliefs where she talked about she really wanted to get a new car. She sort of had to get a new car. And she had a choice between the sensible Honda or the fancy Audi. And every time she thought about it, she knew that the Audi was the one she really wanted but the Honda was the better one to get. And so she finally just said, F it, and got the Audi, even though she knew in that moment, she didn't have the money to support the Audi, but she had this feeling that if she did it anyway, it would create not the pressure, but the momentum to start living as if she was a person who could afford the Audi. And it was only in taking that step That she saw all these massive changes start to happen in her life around how she thought about money and actually money coming to her in the shape of a lot more clients. And so, this is a little bit related to what we're talking about. Although, I would love to know if this falls into that category of truly acting as if, like, what is at work there when your conscious brain is saying, no, you can't afford this? And yet, you sort of take the leap anyway, and it's not just all luck. There has to be the substantive stuff mm-hmm. there too. I'm just curious what, what the take is on that from a brain science point of view.
1: Yeah. So m- from my perspective, if you are deciding to commit to a big purchase, an Audi, a program, a house, whatever it is, and there's enough stability for you to say, okay, maybe this isn't like the comfortable purchase, but I know that I can get myself started. You are going to be deeply motivated to find ways to make more money. You're going to raise those rates. You are going to look for more opportunities to get out there. You're going to be expanding your platform. You know, like you will do what it takes because you now have a reason. And I think sometimes we stagnate because we are playing very safe. And we don't have any motivation. There's no sense of urgency and urgency doesn't have to be money, right? It could be other things as well. But I think for a lot of people, if they're going to commit to something, that's a big purchase, you better believe they're going to want to be able to pay that off. And so when your subconscious knows it's important for you to make more money, you will find ways to make more money. It's like when you decide that you love a certain kind of car and you see it everywhere in the street, same thing. If you're saying to yourself, ooh, I want to make more money because now I know I want to afford X, Y, and Z thing, you will find it. You absolutely will. And of course, that requires you showing up, right? And taking steps and actually like going out into the world, not just sitting around twiddling your thumbs saying, I need to make more. But I really do find that once your brain is on board with making that change and you realize it's a good thing for you, you're unstoppable. You can make whatever change you want. Right, right. Okay.
0: So that sort of leads me to you know, kind of the, the last piece here that I want to make sure I ask you about, which is the main thing that connected me to you in the first place, which is this idea of manifesting and lucky girl. And I want to just definitely take a few minutes and talk about this because I sort of feel like what we're talking about right now, this, this tangible consumer-driven Audi versus Honda example is a good one to, to look at as it relates to this idea of manifesting things into our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, I have for the second year in a row, like we just started this year, 2023, this is the second year that I've been really diligent about on January 1st, making a manifestation list. And last year I did pretty good. And interestingly, sort of like you say, around October, I took a look and I was like, holy shit, there's a bunch of stuff on here I haven't done. And I got to it so I could check them off the list. Mm -hmm. So having the list for me is helpful to keep me on track, but it's not just the list, Mm -hmm. it's the doing. And that's kind of what you're saying. It's not just the, oh, I'm gonna wing it and buy this car or, oh, I'm gonna wing it and invest in this program. When you described, you're gonna start to do the things because you have a bigger why, Mm -hmm. I wanna explore that a little more because I feel like people hear manifestation and they think it's sprinkling fairy dust all over everything. So whether it's lucky girl syndrome, manifesting what you want into your life, what does that really mean to you?
1: Yeah, to me, it means that you have a very clear desired outcome, a very clear goal and are taking action steps to get there. So there is, we could say that it's lucky. We could say that it's the universe. We could say that it's whatever, right? Like, but ultimately it's about being clear about what you want, why you want it and being committed to it. And that looks like how that, what that looks like in life is every day asking yourself, okay, well, what am I doing today to make this my reality? What am I doing today to feel the way that I wanna feel, to trust myself more, to become more confident? And look, we're humans, right? Not every single day is gonna be some powerhouse like checking off all the list. But when you can show up consistently in the direction that you want to go, you do move mountains. It might not happen overnight. Like I think some people also assume that manifestation or lucky girl syndrome is just like poof overnight, things change. And in a way, yeah, things do change overnight after many other nights of you showing up and putting in the work and trusting yourself and sticking to it and believing and all of those things. Like change doesn't have to take a long time. It can happen quickly, but only when you're ready. Only when you are saying, okay, great. Going to raise the rates now. Going to show up differently. Going to start teaching the new way. Going to pitch this new workshop. Going to, you know, whatever it is. That's how you manifest. You, you were the one manifesting. It's not like it, it isn't some of it might be very dust, but a lot of it is you and the efforts that you take and the self-belief that you have that you can have what you want.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. And you know, it sort of has me thinking because um I've recently been really loving on Netflix, there's this series called Breakpoint and it's a breakdown of the Australian Open last year and every episode is a deep dive into two players in the Australian Open last year working with their coaches to prepare to play and since the Australian Open is multiple matches that you play hopefully to to the finals it takes the viewer through a series of one player's experience behind the scenes in tennis and because tennis is a solo sport from a mindset perspective, you're all there is. Yes, you may have a posse of people, a physiotherapist and a sports psychologist and stuff. But what's fascinating to me, if you take out the tennis and you just look at the mindset, how each one of these players manages their mindset. And it has me wondering, you know, just like you say, even if you're doing, I mean, these are players who have elite sports psychologists working with them working on their mindset every day, just like they're working on their muscle building and their nutrition and their tennis techniques. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those players don't make it to the finals, right? Or they make it to the finals and they lose. So how do you reconcile when you're doing the work and you don't get the outcome? How do you not just say, screw it, this is all hogwash, like how do you, you know, kind of reconcile that it's almost like when you eat well, and then maybe you have some other metric, whether it's how you feel in your clothing or whatever, and you're not seeing the results you want and you're tempted to just go back. Oh, this isn't working. So how do you reconcile that in your own mind to stay on track? Yeah.
1: I would say, remind yourself what it is that you want, why it is that you want it. And remember that our timeline that we have in our minds might not be the timeline that things happen. Ah, yeah. There's this um, sort of urgency that everyone has now, I think with the immediacy in which we can get packages delivered and we can have like food come to our door and like everyone wants everything right now, which is great, like want it now. And also realize that it might be happening at a different pace than you expect and that's okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. And it's kind of funny because before this um, chat with you here, I got two Amazon packages delivered, and I've actually taken to ordering things on Amazon and deleting the delivery things when they come into my email box that tell me when they're going to come. And I just have faith that they're going to eventually come. And when they do come, I have this nice feeling of like getting a present, even though it's something that I ordered, but Mm -hmm. I don't track anymore. Like I used to when exactly it's going to show up. And one of the business coaches I work with talks about that as a metaphor for reaching goals, that if you sort of just have the goal and keep doing the things to reach the goal, but having that sort of Buddhist non-attachment feeling towards it. Mm -hmm. um, It's in line with what you're saying. It's, it's, the timing isn't always what our expectation is, but in a way, like when I watch these professional tennis players, just because for instance, they don't win the final, all is not lost. So for a yoga teacher, just because you may not get that class you want or have your classes filled to capacity, all is not lost in the work that you're doing, right? Is
1: that part of
0: what you're saying mindset-wise?
1: Exactly. And there's so many things that are out of our control. And part of this self-improvement and self-evolution you know, evolution journey that we're on is realizing that we can do our part. And also we're working in concert with everything else that's going on around us.
0: Yes. And I love that you said that because when you think about teaching, like we can't make people show up to our classes. We can't wave a magic wand and make them never get hurt in our classes. And that in particular is something that I hear a lot that people are afraid that people will get hurt in their classes, when in fact, those folks are there of their own free will, without you knowing much about them. It's not like they're coming in and taking a 20 minute assessment and filling out a bunch of forms. Mm -hmm. So I love that you brought that up. And you know, I'm just kind of thinking, like, as we wrap up here, I think that's such a great piece to end on this idea of owning what you can control. So with that, you know, as we kind of button this up with a nice bow on top, if there were certain things that you would want people to take away in terms of like, these are things that I can control. Like, what's that saying? Like, there's like, I forget what it's called that the serenity prayer, like, Uh no, right. So what are from like all of what the things we've been talking about, what are
1: things that you would want us to focus on as things that we can control? You can absolutely control the actions you take. You're you're in control of who you reach out to or how you show up, how you interact with clients, with studio owners, with whomever. And you can also control how you rebound from situations that were out of your control you know, it's a choice, right? It may not seem like a choice, but it's a choice whether you freak out about something, or whether you take a deep breath, acknowledge this is not what you expected, and then figure out a different way to move forward. That's great. That I mean, I could think
0: of 20 examples that that applies to in regards to yoga, teaching, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I didn't know that person was gonna do what they did in class, or I didn't know, you know, whatever was going to happen happened, you know, and still, it's, it's not a judgment on you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Not everything is so personal. And I think, especially as people in the yoga or the wellness world, we want to, we're, we want to give, we want to support, we want to nurture, but you just don't have that much control over things, right? Like, and that's okay. And that's right. the beauty of being human also, is we can just do what we can do. Right. Right. And that, and we can still,
0: Operate in the world with all of what you're saying, this being on track to discovering what the hidden beliefs are, trying to lay them aside and push forward with this more positive mindset. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Well, tell folks listening how they can find you. Obviously, they can find you on TikTok, but I can't remember what was your TikTok name.
1: Yeah. So you can find me at larney.wilson on TikTok and on Instagram. You can find me on my website, LarnieWilson.com. I work with clients one-on-one and I also lead some seasonal group hypnosis programs as well. So there's always something new and exciting and yeah, I would love to connect. That's great. And these are all
0: virtual. So anybody listening anywhere in the world can connect with you and participate in your services and programs. Exactly. That's great. Wow. That's fabulous. All right. Well, we are reporting this on a Thursday. This will go up on Monday. So I'll send you the link on Monday and it'll be out there in the world. So I want to thank you so much. This was really, really so much fun. And I just, um, I really appreciate your time. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode. And thank you so much for being part of my community and for spending some time with me here on the show. I wanted to wrap up this episode with just a quick note. I have a brand new recorded workshop, workshop page, and I'm really excited to offer you an opportunity to watch recorded workshops whenever you want. I have the first installment of a workshop on the page on the website, and it is a short workshop all about how to give effective cues. And so all you need to do to watch this free workshop is go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, and you'll see the listing in the dropdown for recorded workshops. When you click that page, you'll see on that page, the link to sign up to watch that recorded workshop. I'll be adding more workshops in the future to this page. And it's a way that you can access educational and growth information for teachers without having to make a workshop at a particular time. I love to get together with teachers live, both in person and, of course, online, which is where I'm doing most of my interaction with teachers right now. However, I appreciate that sometimes people can't make a workshop or the time doesn't work for them or they're in a different time zone. So I want you to know that this page can be a resource for you so that as you're out there and you have questions about different things or you have maybe a half an hour or 45 minutes that you want to devote to your continuing education as a teacher, you can just go to my website, pull up this Recorded Workshops page, and there will be resources there for you to take a look at. All of the workshops that I share are all designed at number one, giving you information and number two, giving you the skills that come from getting that information. It doesn't do you any good if I'm just giving you information on anatomy. If I don't show you how you can use it in your teaching to grow as a teacher, to grow your impact, then it's really not very useful. So all my workshops will have that dual focus sharing a little bit, and then showing you how to apply it. So I hope you'll check that out. If you have any questions or feedback, definitely let me know. Just send me an email, karen at Thank you so much for listening to the show. And I look forward to hearing from you. Namaste.